Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we have Pastor Aaron Dowds. He's going to share an amazing message. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Don't you worry, child. The song that was playing during the offering, some of you may have recognized that. Don't You Worry Child is the sixth and final single released by the Swedish band Swedish House Mafia. As of October 2017, the music video has over 450 million views on YouTube. The song is called Don't You Worry Child, revealing the universal struggle with worry. And this is what the lyrics say. There was a time I used to look into my father's eyes. In a happy home, I was a king. I had a golden throne. Those days are gone. Now the memories on the wall. I hear the songs from the places where I was born. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, child. See, heaven's got a plan for you. Don't you worry. Don't you worry now. Yeah. Now, there's also a song called Son. Don't worry, and it's from the album Mr. Men's Songs, and it's not quite had 450 million views on YouTube, and I don't know if any of you own the album. If you do, you're very sad. I'm only joking. Uh, You've probably got some kids that enjoy Mr. Men. Here's some of the lyrics from Son, Don't You Worry. When times are hard and I'm feeling quite low and I can't find out the answers, things I should know, and it seems that the whole world just can't understand. I remember the words that my daddy would sing. When I was younger, I'd sit on his knee, and I'd tell him my worries, and he smiled at me. As I told him my troubles and problems I had, he'd just look at me smiling, and these words he said, son, don't worry, because life is funny. Go taste the honey, but don't get stung. So son, don't worry, and don't you worry. Just take your time and go have some fun. Now I'm a grown man with fates of my own. I'm much older and wiser by year I have grown. If my children are worried about the things at my feet, I'd repeat that my daddy once said to me, son, don't worry, because life is funny. Go taste the honey, but don't get stung. So son, don't you worry, and don't you worry. Just take your time and go have some fun. It's to a reggae beat. Let's, let's just hear that for a few seconds, shall we? Dire Straits also wrote a song called Why Worry? And here's some of the lyrics. We've got any Dire Straits fans this morning? Uh, These were the songs that I was raised in one of my dad's favorite bands. Here's some of the lyrics. Baby, I see this world has made you sad. Some people can be bad. The things they do, the things they say. But baby, I'll wipe away those bitter tears. I'll chase away those restless fears and turn your blue skies into gray. Why worry? 
There should be laughter after pain. There should be, no, I'm not going to sing it, sunshine after rain. These things have always been the same. So why worry now? Why worry now? Let's hear a little bit of Dire Straits. Thank you. fantastic guitar solo there. I've always fancied myself as a bit of a guitarist, but I'll just stick to, um, stick to my lane. These songs, they reveal the cry and the needs of a generation. See, there's a cry deep in the heart of mankind for intimacy and for relationship with a father and for a happy home. There's a desire for security and to not worry. There's a desire for a higher purpose a desire that our lives have some calling and significance and plan. And these songs reveal the universal struggle with worry and anxiety. Dr. Charles Mayo said, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects the health. This is what Corey Ten Boom said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Who can testify to that? Worry is something really powerful, isn't it? It has, can have physical manifestations, can cause your heart rate to race, it can cause uh, facial flushing, it can cause your blood pressure to go up, and it can really grip you. It's a really powerful thing. I mean, I, I can think of times when I've been particularly worried, especially when I used to work in the pharmacy and something uh, didn't go quite um, according to plan. You could get really worried and it could grip you for a whole day and even affect your sleep at night. A real powerful thing is worry. A Guardian article on the 1st of March 2017, it reports, a poll of 16 to 24-year-olds reveals many over-exercise, punch walls, drink heavily, and abuse drugs due to anxiety and stress. How many of you have ever turned to something like that? I remember once when I was uh, working at McDonald's, I walked into this big walk-in freezer. It was up the stairs, and I was so stressed and angry that I literally punched seven boxes of French fries. I put my fist right through each box. Um, I'd been annoyed because my brother was working on wrapping call down the stairs and he was shouting orders to me. The lift was broken and I had to carry these boxes down and to relieve my anxiety and stress, I just put my fist through these seven boxes and uh, not the wisest thing to do. One in four young men are turning to self-harm as a result of depression, anxiety, and stress, according to a YouGov poll. One in four young men. Of the 500 men aged 16 to 24 surveyed, 24% said they had intentionally hurt themselves, and also a further 22% said they had considered self-harming. 
And many said when they felt under pressure, they would turn to exercising excessively, controlled eating, pulling out their hair, punching walls, and abusing drugs. And when asked how they cope with stress, 21% admitted to drinking heavily, while 19% said they had punched walls, and 16% admitted to controlled eating. This is from the NSPCC, the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, on the 31st of October 2016. There's been a sharp rise in young people facing anxiety in the last year. Our figures reveal a rise of 35% childline counseling sessions about anxiety in the last year. Causes range from personal and family issues to concerns about world affairs such as the EU referendum, the US election, and troubles in the Middle East. This was the words of one teenage girl who contacted Childline. Things like the EU referendum and the US election make me worry about my future and how things are going to change. I feel really sorry for the refugees because it isn't their fault that their country is at war. These are the words of one young boy who contacted Childline. I'm really worried about what is going on in the world. People have talked about a world war starting and I get really scared thinking about this. A major source and cause of stress and anxiety is, um, sorry, a major source and cause of stress is anxiety and worry. And the old English word for worry is the word to strangle or on your seats blank, to choke, to choke. That's what worry does. It stops you from functioning properly. It saps you of energy and strength. And I'm sure we've all felt that at times, how worry, when something causes you to worry and panic, it can really grip you powerfully. It stops you from having the life that you want to have. There was this very wise man um, who's very well known, and this is what he says. His name is Charlie Brown. Worry doesn't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you enjoying the good. You focus only what can go wrong, and so you don't do anything. You miss out on exciting opportunities because you don't feel strong enough, or you are convinced it's all going to go wrong. So what's the point? And this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. For example, you worry that you're not going to do well in your exams, and you end up spending so much time worrying and panicking that you end up not revising properly. And so, guess what happens? You don't do as well in your exams as you wished. Now, Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And a shepherd is a picture of what God wants to be to his children, what he wants to be to you. And it's a good visual picture to describe the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. And here is the key to anxiety. Are you ready? The key to anxiety, relationship. Relationship. And you might be thinking, why and how on earth is relationship the key to anxiety? Well, hopefully today we will find out. But more important than the things that you can do, habits and responses, all the, and, and these things are important, but the first and foremost solution to anxiety, I believe, from the Bible is relationship. 
God's relationship to you in the Bible is described in a number of different ways. And him as your shepherd is one way to help you understand the type of relationship that he wants to have to you, with you as a shepherd to a sheep. So what does a shepherd do? Well, Rick Warren points out uh, four things that a shepherd does. And like a good Baptist, they all rhyme. So number one on your sheets, a shepherd provides. He provides food, shelter, and the basic necessities for his sheep. Number two, a shepherd protects. He defends against enemies and harm. And number three, a shepherd guides. He leads sheep when they're confused and don't know which way to go. And number four, a shepherd corrects. Any problem that come along, he corrects it. So a shepherd provides, protects, guides, and corrects. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And these verses describe the type of relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants to be to you like a shepherd is to his sheep. Words like feed, carry, holding close to the heart. These are powerful images and pictures describing the type of relationship. It's a picture of incredible intimacy. And holding close to the heart is something that I love to do with my son, Levi, who's one. And one of my favorite times of day is when I'm feeding him his milk at night as he's watching CBeebies. And uh, he's, he's, I'm, I'm holding his bottle of milk. He's close to my heart. I'm embracing him. I've got my cheek um, uh, next to his, and I'm, I'm kissing his head. And it's just that beautiful moment of uh, intimacy. I have to put up with the CBBs, but it's more than worth it for that special moment of holding you close, holding your son close to the heart. And that's the type of language that God uses to describe the type of relationship he wants with you. Words like gently lead. I love that. It's not just lead, but gently lead. To tend, to give them a place to lie down in peace. All these words and images describe the fact that God wants to provide, to protect, to guide, and to correct for you. But you have to make him your Lord. And to make him your Lord means that you are no longer boss. You no longer call all the shots, but you submit to your new boss. You have to worship him as number one. Above all else in your life, you have to make him your first love in your life. You have to allow him to be your boss and your good shepherd. And the way that you do that is through trust and surrender. God does not automatically become your shepherd. He's not the shepherd of everybody, but you he is a shepherd to those who have made him Lord. He's a shepherd to those, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's a shepherd to those who have put their trust in him to be their boss and their Lord. Now, to accept Jesus as Lord, it means three things, and we get this from John 10, verses 14 and 27. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me, they listen to my voice, and they follow me. 
And these three words describe what it means to have Jesus as Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Well, number one on your sheets, you know Jesus. Second, you listen to Jesus. And thirdly, you follow Jesus. You know, you listen, you follow. That's what it means to have him as Lord. You put him in control. And this is why relationship is the key to depression, anxiety, and worry. Because worry and anxiety is about you being in control of a situation. And if you believe that you're ultimately in control of a situation, and then it starts to look like you're beginning to lose control, then all you can do is worry and be anxious. Why? Because you can't trust your own wisdom, strength, skill, and knowledge to get you through an unknown future or situation. But if you are in a relationship with Father God, it's like a relationship of a sheep to a shepherd or a son to a father. When it starts to look like you're losing control, it's okay because you don't have to rely on your own wisdom, strength, skill, and knowledge, but you can trust the wisdom, the strength, the skill, and knowledge of your good shepherd. This is what T.D. Jakes said. I'll give you some symptoms of a sign that your faith is deteriorating. Whenever you face all of your problems and you trust only your plans to get you out, it is a sign that your faith is deteriorating. Now, the other reason that relationship is the key to stress, anxiety, and worry is because your relationship with Father determines your self-worth. And this is huge in anxiety and worry and stress. Your relationship with Father determines your self-worth. If you have a healthy relationship with Father, you can learn to have a healthy self-worth. A poor self-worth is when you feel worthless and useless and you beat yourself up for being no good, a failure, and a loser. And it's pretty much impossible to have a good, healthy emotions and to be anxiety-free and stress-free if you have low self-worth. Now, you may not say these things out loud, but this is a state that you are trapped in of negative thoughts and a flood of negative thinking, and much of it is probably subconscious negative thinking about yourself. Your sense of self-worth and what you think, believe, and say about yourself determines how you feel and your emotions. Let me say again because it's so important. Your sense of self-worth and what you think, believe, and say about yourself determines how you feel and your emotions. Whether you feel good or bad, calm or nervous, happy or sad, peaceful or anxious. If you have a poor self-worth, your emotions will be poor and down and depressed. But if you have a healthy self-worth and learn to begin to uh, establish a healthy self-worth, then your emotions can start to follow and become healthy also. 
Dr. David Burns, he's currently the adjunct clinical professor emeritus of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at the Stanford University School of Medicine, where he is involved in research and teaching. His best-selling book, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy, has sold over four million copies in the United States and many more worldwide. Feeling Good is the book most frequently prescribed for depressed patients by psychiatrists and psychologists in the United States of Canada. This is what Dr. David Burns says. The bottom line. Now, when he says the bottom line, um, I think we should sit up and pay attention because this guy has counseled and helped incredibly and seen um, tens of thousands of America's most depressed, suicidal patients. Um, and, and from a lifetime of experience, he's written the bottom line. So when he says the bottom line, I sit up and pay attention what he has learned as one who is made in the image of God who has incredible compassion and love for people and to help people and to see them free from depression and suicide. But this is what he says, the bottom line, only your own sense of self-worth determines how you feel. If you want to change how you feel, therefore, you have to change your negative thinking by learning to take every thought captives and stop allowing our thoughts to ruin our lives. See, you will never change your emotions if you do not start changing your negative thinking about yourself. Men are trying to change their emotions, but never changing their thinking, and it's not possible. And the key is your relationship to father as an adopted child, because your self-worth comes from your position, not your ambition. Your self-worth comes from your position as an adopted child of father who is made in the image of God, not from your ambition, what you're hoping for in achievements or looks or relationships. Your position is what must shape your self-worth. His love and what he feels about you as a perfect loving father must shape your self-worth. And his thoughts about you, which are always positive, even when you're in a mess and even when, you're, when you mess up, that's called grace. His thoughts about you, they're always positive. They must replace the flood of automatic negative thoughts that are flooding your mind, and many of them, if not most of them, subconscious. This is what Dr. David Burdens says. Are depressed patients actually facing the ultimate truth about themselves? And what in the final analysis is the source of genuine self-esteem? This, in my opinion, is the most important question you will ever confront. What does Dr. Burns say the most important question you will ever confront is? In his opinion, the most important question you will ever confront is, what is the source of genuine self-esteem? What is the source of genuine self-esteem? He goes on to say, first, you cannot earn worth through what you do. 
nor can you base a valid sense of self-worth on your looks, talent, fame, or fortune, nor can love, approval, friendship, or a capacity for close, caring human relationships add one iota to your inherent worth. The bottom line, only your own sense of self-worth determines how you feel. He goes on to say, I raise the same question over and over again. Are you really right when you insist that somewhere inside you are essentially a loser? Has anybody here this morning ever felt like a loser, ever thought that they're a loser, actually thought that essentially who they are? But as Christians, we have the truth of the Imago Dei, the inherent self-worth and value that God placed upon His children when He created us in His image, in His likeness. He created every single human being with incredible self-worth and value, and thus must be the foundation, the truth of who we are, which must form the foundation of our self-worth and our self-esteem. As Psalm 139 verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Let me ask you, how well do you know that you are marvelous, that you're a marvelous piece of craftsmanship? How well do you know that? Or do you know that you are a loser? Because that's where your emotions are coming from. Verse 17, Psalm 139. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You are not forgotten. Now here's a story that Dr. David Burns tells of an extreme example of this. Let's watch this video. Thank you. Well, the first patient I tried it out was a woman referred from the intensive care unit of the University Hospital. She had made a near, nearly successful suicide attempt. An elderly Latvian immigrant, and they referred her to me for follow-up. And I, I said, Martha, there's, there's this new form of therapy I'm, I'm doing some uh, investigating, and, and would it be okay if I present your at this uh, weekly seminar and then I can tell you what they say and maybe we could find some new new techniques and she was fine with that she gave me permission so I presented her case to Dr. Beck and said but how would, how would you use this cognitive therapy with someone who's suicidal and he said well our thoughts create all of our emotions so just ask her what were you telling yourself the moment you tried to commit suicide so I went back to her and I said, well, what were, she said, what did you find out in the seminar? I said, well, I'm supposed to ask you what you were telling yourself the moment you attempted suicide. What were your negative thoughts? And she said, oh, I was telling myself that I'm a worthless human being because I've never accomplished anything meaningful or significant in my life. And she said, now what, what am I supposed to do about that? And I said, I, I, I'm not sure you have to wait a week. You know, <laughs> go back and ask at the seminar. So I went back and said, you know, here's what I found out. What should I do? And Dr. Beck said, well, one 
technique we use is called examine the evidence. See if what you're telling yourself is, is, is true, true or not. Ask her to make a list of several things she has accomplished. And I thought, yeah, that's, that makes sense. So I went back and I said, she said, what'd you find out at the seminar? I said, you're, well, you're supposed to make a list of several things you have accomplished. She said, well, that's just the problem. Uh, I can't think of anything. And I don't know, maybe some of you folks felt that way sometimes, look back on your life and say, what have I done that was really meaningful, that was really significant? What did my life really amount to? So I said, well, why don't you take it as a homework assignment? Maybe, maybe you can think of something. Well, the next week, I forgot I gave her the homework assignment. I did my usual non-specific schmoozing and how are you feeling and do you need a refill on the antidepressant and this type of thing and halfway through the session she said well aren't you going to ask me about my homework and I said ah oh, I forgot Could, did you come up with anything and she handed me a list of about oh seven or eight things that she had accomplished during her life and the first one she said I overlooked the fact that um, I, I smuggled my children out of Nazi Germany. My husband died in the concentration camps. My, all of our relatives died in the concentration camps, but I got the children out, and we made it to America. And I've worked scrubbing floors and, and cleaning people's houses to keep food on the table and, and to keep a a, the roof over our head. And this week, my son just graduated first in his class from the Harvard Business School. So I thought, well, maybe that's an accomplishment. <laughs> and then she said, and I forgot that I speak five languages fluently. And I'm a gourmet chef. And she had all these amazing things. And I said, Martha, how do you reconcile this with your claim that you're a worthless human being who's never accomplished anything meaningful? And she said, Dr. Burns, it doesn't compute. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know how I could have been thinking that. And I said, how are you feeling now? She said, I'm feeling a lot better. She said, do you have any more techniques? I said, no, that's the only one I've learned so far. You have to wait till next week. You know, I'll learn another technique. And this man has got a beautiful... Um, He's got a beautiful resilience and tenacity and perseverance to never give up on any human being, no matter how low they think of themselves. I've read some of his stories, absolutely incredible. Some of them are shouting at him, swearing at him and cursing him, but he stubbornly refuses to believe that any human being is worthless. And his determination is to get them to come alongside and to start thinking the truth about themselves and to stop believing the lie about who they are as a human being and as an individual. And as Christians, our belief and concept of the Imago Dei, that we are made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, that we are special, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, makes this message even more relevant and powerful when we start to shape our identity, our sense of self-worth based on the Bible. So your self-worth determines how you feel and your emotions, even to the extremes of depression and suicide. And to change how you feel and your emotions, he said you need to examine the evidence. 
See, are your automatic negative thoughts you believe about yourself actually true and accurate? See, what was Martha's automatic negative thoughts she was believing about herself the moment that she tried to commit suicide? What was she thinking and believing and telling herself? She was telling herself that she was a worthless human being that had never accomplished anything meaningful or significant in her life. Now, let me ask you a question as I draw this to a close. When Martha examined the evidence, were her negative thoughts she was believing and she told herself, were they true or not? They were, they were wrong, weren't they? They were not accurate. She was not a worthless being that had never accomplished anything meaningful or significant. And neither are you. When are you going to believe that? When are you going to stop believing the lies and the deception that you're all get automatic negative thoughts flow like a torrent in your mind? So if she was not believing the truth, what was she actually believing? If she wasn't believing the truth, what's the opposite of truth? A lie. Her automatic negative thoughts about herself were distorted. They weren't true. And neither are yours. In the moment, see, this is, this is, this is a, a powerful thing here. The moment you have a certain thought and believe it, you will have an immediate emotional response. Your thought actually creates the emotion. They don't appear out of nowhere. They don't just randomly appear. You just all of a sudden feel anxious and uptight and angry. And when you get a revelation of this and, and, and get an understanding of this, it's so, so helpful. Um, you see, that's why you're transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's where the battle is in the mind. The landing strip is the mind, the thoughts. What's going on up there? Sometimes it's subconscious. A lot of the time it's subconscious. But as you learn to renew your thoughts with true thoughts, his thoughts, you will have corresponding healthy emotions and therefore behavior. So the question would be, where do these automatic negative untrue thoughts about ourselves come from and why do they come? Well, many answers could be proposed here. But as Christians, we must not forget what John 8:44 teaches about the spiritual world that we live in, about the reality that we have a spiritual enemy. And it says he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So to overcome your automatic negative thoughts about yourself, you need to identify when you are thinking them. And how can you identify when you're starting to think these negative thoughts? Well, you look at your emotions. When you start to get anxious, when you start to get worried or stressed or angry or depressed, ask yourself, what are you thinking immediately before your emotions started to change? What are you thinking? Just before your mood started to change. And then begin to examine the evidence. And then you need to ask yourself, is what you're thinking actually true? And you could do this on a sheet of paper and have two columns, and it's a good exercise to do. 
to, when, your, when your mood starts to change, what am I thinking? Just to write down, start to list your thoughts. I was thinking this, I was thinking this, I was thinking this on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side for each one, start to begin to say, what is the truth about this situation? What is the objective? What is what's the reality? Because most of those thoughts, when you start to put them down, the problem is they're mushed into one in our brain. But when we start to write them down, we start to see that they're distorted, untrue, they're not objective, and they're nonsense. And when you come back to the truth to declare the truth, then you can start to take control of your emotions. I started to do it this week. I started to get really uptight. I was like, what that on earth is going on? And I, started to, I didn't have time to write down. I started thinking, that person doesn't like me. I said, well, why, why do I think that that person doesn't like me? Um, what's the truth about this situation? The truth is, this person is faithful. They're reliable. They have never once let me down. They do like me. You're misreading this situation. This is complete nonsense. What else am I thinking? I'm thinking this. Uh, and then start to take control over the emotions that, that can just, because our emotions will then act uh, behavior. So it's thoughts, emotions, behavior. And you start to get cold towards that person. You start to distance yourself from that person. And it's just a whole nonsense cycle. So here we go to conclude. Remember, your self-worth comes from your position, not your ambition. So start basing your self-worth on your position. Your need to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Robert, could you just play that worship song in the background, please? Thank you. Start basing your self-worth on your position. And to do that, we need to cultivate a lifestyle of worship, of meditation, and memorization of Scripture and the truth of Scripture about who we are. The moment you have a certain thought and believe it, you will have an immediate emotional response. Your thoughts create your emotions. So if you're going to get out of depression, chronic anxiety and stress, you must learn what to do when your emotions wobble, when they change. You need to be, start asking, what am I believing the moment my mood changed? Write it down. Put your thoughts on one column on the left. Then start to write down the truth. What does God say about this situation? What does a Bible situation? What do I know to be true about this situation? What do I know to be true? As my response and my emotional response and that rational and, and good response to this situation I find myself in. Because your negative thoughts are never true and objective. And they cannot be trusted. Your negative thoughts are not true. They're not objective and they can't be trusted. And it's time we stopped allowing our thoughts and our thought life and our mind to start to, 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 to ruin our life. It's time that we get close to our Savior. It's time to come back. Let's stand to our feet. Want us to come to the cross. I've given you what's called heave and leave cards. And that's for part two. Part two of my talk, I split it into two parts. And I don't know how many parts I'm going to have. I'll maybe just keep going until I feel that we're making some headway. You've got these wee cards and we're going to use them when I do part two. And it's about learning to cast your anxiety onto him. And we're going to say, when I've got anxieties and worries, what do I do? How do I do it? Practically, what can you do with worry to live worry and anxious free? Because anxiety, one in four men, it's huge, okay? And we take them to the cross, we give them to Jesus, we cast, we heave, we leave, we, we give them over, we take them to the cross. So that's part two, that's what your heave and leave card is. You can start using it, I'm sure you can work it out for yourself, but I'll, I'll teach you it the next time I talk. And uh, we've got loads of them, I think we've got 500, so if you want more. Um, 
But I just want us to pray now. Let's just pray. Come to the cross. We brought the cross because we were going to take our heave and leave cards and we were going to stick them on or nail them on as a physical symbol of what we're doing. Jesus Christ is through his death on the cross that we receive adoption as children. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you're a good, good, loving Father. You are the good shepherd. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we could have abundant life so that we could have overwhelming victory. And that's what I want to say to you today. Overwhelming victory is possible for you. You can come out of chronic anxiety. You can come out of depression. You can come out of despair. You can come out of hopelessness. It might be a battle. It might take time. But this is the word of God. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The Word says, I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. So Lord Jesus, I just ask you to come today. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Father God loved His world. He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. He took the punishment. He says, if you confess your sins, that's admit I've lived life. I've been my own boss. He's not been my boss. I've gone my own way. Not gone his way if you confess that and ask him to forgive you he'll forgive you and cleanse you and he'll make you brand new he'll come to live inside you it says turn around and follow after him make him your lord make him your good shepherd to do that today i want to give you opportunity to um, say that prayer today just repeat after me everybody together dear lord jesus i've tried them my own but i can't do it the battle's too tough this life's too hard without you. I can't make it without you. So I surrender. I give up the fight. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. I confess you have not been my boss. I've been my own boss. I've gone my own way. I have done my own thing. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to come into my life and make me brand new. Give me your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, I pray you would help me to change my negative thinking, to take every thought captive, to have victory over anxiety, depression, and stress, and to find the peace that comes from you. Now, if you said every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time today, I want to become a Christian and make Jesus your Lord, just hand nice and high. Anybody here today say that prayer for the very first time? Just put your hand up nice and high. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Comes into your life. Lord Jesus, I just pray, I want to, if, if you are struggling with um, anxiety or worry or depression or stress or any of these things, we would like to pray for you. We have got a team and um, maybe you, you could get the box ready for me, please. I think it's behind that curtain, a prayer team box, just, just behind that curtain, there should be a prayer. So if anybody would like prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe my mom and dad can help us. Those that are in our team, life group leaders can help. Just come down to the cross. And just, um, we want to we pray for the Holy Spirit to touch you, to set you free. 
to, to give you the strength to start to take control over your thoughts, to, to stop allowing your negative thinking to control your life. I'm going to do that in a minute. Let me just pray. Let me just pray and I'm going to ask you to come down. And we want to ask, I want to ask the prayer team, let's be believing for miracles. Let's be asking for, believing for a spiritual breakthrough. Yeah, we need tips and tools and all these things are important, but we need a spiritual breakthrough as well. And what I would like you to do is invite you to come to the cross. Anything you know to be wrong in, in your life, just, just take a time at the cross. Yeah, you can do that now. Just say sorry. Just ask God anything you know to be wrong. The Holy Spirit's here. He'll show you if there's something in your life. If you want free, first of all, let's put ourselves right with God. Let's get right with God. Get rid of stuff that we know to be nonsense and is just bad and unhealthy. Just play that video again, Robert. And then after this song, we'll have the band up and then we're, we're finished. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that your people, you, your word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Your word promises, Lord, when we make you our shepherd, Lord, that we can experience the stillness and the peace. Your word says, you restore my soul. You restore my soul, Lord Jesus. And I pray today, Lord, that your people, this church, would have healthy emotions. That we would be an emotionally healthy and stable people because we're people, we're children of the Father. We have our identity and our self-worth completely from the truth of Scripture. That you teach us as a church to renew our mind, Lord. To start taking back ground that the enemy has stolen to start going on the offense on the uh, offensive rather than the defensive to start taking out the truth and to speaking out to take out the sword and start declaring the truth in jesus name in jesus name so if you like prayer just come down the front just now if i do ask the brand to come up and we can the rest of us we're going to sing gracefully broken and um, not too loud <laughs> um Aaron, please, just so that we can pray and minister, okay? So when, when the band, band, if they could come up just now. If you would like prayer, just come down the front. The prayer, you and if you could hand out these uh, lanyards to people. There's some mints as well, just to the prayer team. Just yeah. If you're on the prayer team, just come and get a, get a lanyard. Anybody in my life group, Michael, Hannah, Alison, anybody else, just, just come and get a lanyard. Some some stuff there. Just take your time. Anybody want to come down and just get some prayer just for God to start moving in your life. We're believing for breakthrough today. The rest of us, we're going to sing gracefully broken. Thank you, Jesus. Move in this place, Lord. Victory today, Lord. The miracles, Lord, today, Father. Miracles, only what you can do, Heavenly Father. Only what you can do, Lord. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.